Okay, we come to another passage in Ecclesiastes today. Um, But before we get there, I'd like to tell a little story. I was trying to think of a story about remembering, and unfortunately this is the best one I could do. So uh, don't judge me for that. But... um, And I think you'll find out when I get to the end of the story. I think it's okay to tell these kinds of stories as long as you're under 10 when it happens. Anything over 10, it's just embarrassing. Um, So at school when I was about 8 or 9, I think, um, we we must have gone off-site for swimming sports. And it must have happened early in the morning because I was already at school in my togs, right? Thinking, some of you can see where this is going. Um, and then we must have got to where we were doing swimming sports, did the swimming thing. I probably came first in everything. I didn't. I definitely didn't. Um, and then went back to the changing rooms to get changed, took off my togs, went to get the underwear. Not, not there. Um, obviously because I'd gone from home, I think that was the problem. And so I had this moment where I was like, ooh what to do. Um, And I can distinctly remembering um, sitting on the bus going back to school, and for some reason there was a boy sitting next to me, which is weird, Um, and I was like, you know, legs very tightly closed. Um, It was freaking out because I didn't have any underwear on. See, it's okay if you're under 10, right? You can tell those sorts of stories, but anything over that, and it's just just awkward. Um, So, moral of the story, probably don't swim, but if you're going to make sure you um, bring your underwear. Anyway, so we're going to share from Ecclesiastes today, and it's um, in chapter 11, if you'd like to read along, otherwise we'll have it up here, and it starts in verse 9. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. So it seems to begin with this instruction just to enjoy life again, which we've heard recently through Ecclesiastes, and even better, just to follow the ways of your heart. So whatever you want, do it. Whatever you see, go after it. It seems to be the message. So I think this justifies the fact that I saw a dress that I liked this week and bought it because I liked it. Um, And for somebody else this morning, I saw driving a convertible um, on a Sunday morning in in the sun. He obviously saw that, liked it, bought it. Okay, so this is is what it's saying. Um, Enjoyment is almost commanded of us, we could say, um, in this passage. And we are to remove any anxiety or obstacles that could hold us back from enjoying these things. But... Here comes the clincher. You will be judged for whatever you do. So that new dress, I will be judged for. That convertible, he will be judged for. It couldn't um, be as easy as it sounds, right? So not only is there this judgment approaching, but the quester seems to be feeling this shadow of death and judgment over his life as he shares these words. He talks about the days of darkness and the days of trouble that are to come. And he talks about everything being meaningless, as we've heard a few times. Life is also rapidly coming to an end, he says, and youth is transient. He doesn't deny that life is going to be hard and that ultimately it will come to an end. Then the next verses in chapter 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth 
before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred. Then people go to their eternal homes and mourners go about the streets. So in chapter 12, the quester launches into this description of either old age, a house, or a storm. Okay, that's what I've been reading uh, as I've been looking into this passage, that people aren't sure of which metaphor he's trying to use. So some people would say that he's describing features of the deterioration of the human body. So the sun growing dark could be eyesight fading, the grinders ceasing are losing your teeth, Um, and the white blossoms are a picture of your hair going white. So that's one metaphor that he could be using. The other one could be that it's a house that's falling apart, so the grinders and the windows and the doors failing. So they would say that it's a, a more of a literal reading of the passage. And then other people, again, would say that it's talking about a coming storm that's going to bring chaos to this town and this home. So it's not clear exactly what the quester was using, and maybe he was trying to talk about all three in a few verses. Um, We're not sure. But what is clear is that he's talking about the demise of human life. So whatever he's saying, he's talking about something coming to an end. They're quite sorrowful verses almost. They're brooding, like you feel like something is dying or ending or closing down in these verses. Then in verse 6, remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. So the instructions follow to remember God before death. The silver cord and the golden bowl and the pitcher and the the wheel all become severed or broken or shattered. And so their value is suddenly rendered useless. The dust returns to the ground and it reminds us how we come from dust and to dust we will return. And finally, the quester repeats his famous and probably favorite little saying, everything is meaningless. And in fact, he says it a couple of times just to reinforce the point. So this key idea of the quester in these verses seems to be, remember your creator. And he gives all kinds of reasons. One, because everything to come is meaningless. Another one, because you will soon die. And another one, because you will soon return to the dust. And so this theme of remembrance is something I'd like us to focus on, because it seems to be his common thread through the passage. Now, a little bit of Hebrew for you this morning. Um, the word for remember that he uses in this passage is zorkar. It's probably exactly how you pronounce it as well. So we've all learned a new word today, zorkar, uh, which is what the word is in this passage for remember. And really interestingly, the word actually means to mark as to be recognized. To mark as to be recognized. So to remember seems to be to hold something so closely 
that it becomes more than just a memory, but almost like a branding or a mark on us, which I thought was really cool. And then another words, other words that are used for remember are to mention, to be mindful of, to recount, record, bring to remembrance. So there seems to be a really careful sense of remembering bound up in this word. It's not just thinking of a past memory and then letting it go back to the recesses of your mind. There's something about remembering that is holding on to those memories and then living in light of them. So the quester seems to be suggesting that remember your creator is not just simply intellectual, but all-encompassing. Remembering God is to let him shape the view of your whole life, not just of that single recollection. And indeed, as we look through the Old Testament, we see moments time after time of remembrance. I went on to BibleGateway.com, which any of you can do, and type in remember, and you'll see pages and pages of references through the Old Testament where God has said to his people to remember um, or instructed them to do so. He promises them that he will remember his covenant after the flood. Um, He remembers individual people, but he also remembers whole tribes. And constantly he asks the Israelites to remember when they were slaves and how he led them out of Egypt. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. There's a story that the rabbis tell um, to remind people to remember. So it's not in the Bible, but the rabbis would use it as a metaphor, a way to remind them, the people. And so it talks about these two slaves who were walking on the bottom of the ocean as the Red Sea was being held open for them. And so they're strolling along, and one of them is saying to the other one, ooh, it's really gross because the mud is getting between like my feet and the sandals, and it's squelching, and it's really uncomfortable, and I'm finding it hard to walk. And the other one is like, you have no idea what it's like. I'm not even wearing shoes, and the mud is just chafing like on the bottom of my feet and getting all dirty and gross in there. And so they keep strolling along, complaining about the mud squelching, and all the sounds and the noises and the way it makes them feel. And because they are walking along with their head down, they fail to see the walls of water that are being held open for their redemption. Walls of water being held open for their redemption. And so the rabbis would tell this story to remind their people of where they had been, And how, as our heads are down, we fail to see what God has done and is doing around us. It's an amazing story. I love it. It's one of my favorites. And they so quickly forgot the troubles, um, or I guess remember the troubles of their past, even as they were walking on their way to their freedom. Now, week to week, we come together to share communion. And this becomes, for us, a way that we can remember what has been done, and how we have been rescued. So when we worship and take communion together, we are remembering an event, a time in history when something happened, but we're also remembering and drawing to mind what Christ is doing now through us. So we read in 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also 
after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we remember the events of this night and the following days in the life of Christ. But we don't just remember a past event and then leave it in the past. We are remembering a current reality. And by taking communion, we engage with Christ now. We make room for him in our present as well as in our memory bank. So the quester encourages remembering God in the place of misery and in a world that seems to be falling apart and meaningless. And we see throughout scripture times when God reminds his people to remember him and where he has taken them and when and how he is still with them. And each week as we take communion, we remember Jesus and his act of dying on the cross, but also his ongoing place in your life and in our life together as a community. But how else do we incorporate this theology of remembering into our lives? A few years ago, somebody told me this quote, which I've held on to, and that's, don't forget in the dark what God did in the light. Don't forget in the dark what God did in the light. And I think it came out of a sermon talking about John the Baptist and when he was being held up in prison for his faith. And he sends word to some of Jesus' disciples who go and talk to Jesus. And John basically tells them to tell Jesus, are you really the Messiah? So he's saying, like, I'm in prison and probably going to lose my life for this. And I want to know that you are the real deal and that this is all going to be worth it. And Jesus sends word back to John saying, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind are now able to see and the lame can walk. People with leprosy are being healed and the deaf can hear. The dead are raised to life and the poor are hearing the good news. And you can imagine the relief that that would have brought to John hearing those words, but also probably the memories that that would have stirred in John, remembering those things happening, remembering who Christ was and who he will be. So of course this was the truth. And so he faced the rest of his short life, but with certainty and hope. And so these words, don't forget in the dark what God did in the light, have reminded me of the importance of remembering those times when God has been faithful, sometimes individually for me and sometimes on a bigger level. And so I began to keep a list of these light times so that I could draw back on them when I was in the dark times um, or the days of trouble, I guess, as the quester would say. And so looking back on this list recently, um, I was really excited to see what I found. And the first thing that was on the list was the first time that I remember making my personal commitment to God, and I've written down the fresh start that I felt. And then the next point that I saw on the list, really exciting, was actually a verse from Ecclesiastes. What are the odds? Uh, and it talked about the reminder to always enjoy life. <laughs> Ideal. So... That was really exciting. And then the third point that I saw on this list was this really cool time when a group of friends um, and I were at Parachute and one of our friends got knocked out in one of the um, music tents. He was thrashing himself around. And we all got around him and prayed for him. And 
pretty quickly he came back around and was fine. Um, and that was written down on the list as a time when I really saw um, God move in him and in us as a group of friends. And so the list kept going, and I was reading through these different times that were kind of all varied and different, and there wasn't really a common theme other than that God had been faithful. And for some reason, I stopped updating that, di- that list, but as I've been preparing for this message and I've been looking back at it, um, it's come back to me as something that I'd like to resurrect in my own life, and I found it something really helpful, um, a tool for me to keep track of God's activity, and then also to read back on in those times. Now, of course, we don't only need to remember God in the dark times because otherwise maybe then he could feel like a crutch or someone that we then ignore when it does come to the light. The quester speaks of remembering your creator and it's all through your life in different seasons when you're young and full of joy and when you're old and apparently falling apart, which is exciting. So remembering God seems to shift the focus. It takes it off you and off your own situation. So remembering God is more than just a mental action. It becomes the difference between a God-centered reality and an autonomous reality centered on us. So we try to foster this theology of remembering or discipline or practice of remembering in our own lives. And maybe you already have ways of doing this, but something like that list for me was an important way. Maybe for you it's sharing with the people around you when those times happen so that they can remind you when you're in the dark or when you need to hear them. And each week as we take communion, we're given this golden opportunity to remember what God has done, to remember our creator and to make space for him in our present. Remembering our creator seems to bring us hope. And according to the quester, he doesn't often talk about hope throughout Ecclesiastes, but in these verses, he seems to be particularly hopeful. He may not have had it all figured out and he may not know where life is going, and he doesn't know Christ yet because Christ hasn't come for him. But he does have this firm grounding in who his creator is, and remembering God, remembering his creator, is enough for him. So I encourage you to think through how you could remember your creator in your life with the people around you, to remember the faithfulness of God. Let's pray. God, today we sang a song that said, all of my life, in every season, you are still God. And today we thank you for that. And we know what you have done for us. We'll never fully grasp the extent of it. But we thank you humbly for that. And we pray today that you would help us to remember you and to make space for you in our present We thank you for all the ways that you have been and are being and will be faithful to us. And thank you for your closeness and your grace to us today and every day. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Connection Point is a joint production between Connection Resources and Shore Community Christian Church. If you would like a free copy of today's message, please email us or phone us on 0800 90 30 90. 
To subscribe to our free podcasts or to listen to the latest message, go to connectionresources.org.nz.